God, praise God. And Pastor Jeremy is going to come tonight with a timely 10 and share with us something from the Word of the Lord. So let's get behind him in Jesus' name. Over the last couple of days, I've been unable to escape the words holiness in the heart. And so along that note, my apologies to my students because you've already heard this, but I could not escape bringing this to you all. So we're going to start in 1 Peter 3.15. And the word says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. There's the holiness of the heart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So if you would just pray with me for a second. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your word, and for your truth. God, I pray that you lead me and guide me. Use me as a vessel for your glory, for your honor, God. And I pray that you touch the hearts of the people in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Bishop for the opportunity, of course. Uh, thank you for all you do for me and the Church of Omaha. So here, Peter is speaking to a suffering people. Anybody face suffering before? Um, but he knows that God will take care of them just like he will take care of you and I. In this world, we will face tribulation, but we are not of this world. And Christ has overcome this world. To suffer means to deal with things that come against us or to be afflicted. Peter is not speaking here of an ultimate harm. We may suffer now, but no one can take our, eter our eternity away from us. No one can affect our salvation. We will be rewarded for suffering for God's sake. We see this in Matthew 5, 10 to 12. It says, this is NLT, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you. And persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Oof. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven, our eternity with him. And remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in the same way. It's not just us. It's not just us that are persecuted. Because God rewards us, we don't have to worry Instead of being afraid of suffering, we need to sanctify God in our hearts. We need to put God on the throne of our heart. That's what sanctify means. Put him on the throne of your heart. But what does that mean? That means our thoughts, our will, our desires, our passions, our appetites, our affections, our purposes, and our endeavors. They need to be God's. We need to give these things to God and let him rule in our lives. We need to give God veto power in our life. We need to listen when he says maybe you shouldn't do that or be a part of that or watch that or listen to that. But we also need to listen when he tells us that we should do something. Sometimes this is the hardest one. 
That is how we know and become more sensitive to his voice. We need to make it personal. This is sanctification. First uh, Peter 1.16 says, For the scripture says, You must be holy, for I am holy. Holiness, again, starts in the heart. Holiness of the heart. It has to be on the inside first. You can truly follow God, God, follow your heart. I always tell my students, don't follow your heart. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? But if God is on the throne of our hearts, we can truly follow our heart. And if we are letting him on the throne of it. If God is in control of your life, you will always have a reason to share your hope. The reason of your hope. So Peter is speaking from experience here. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He watched and performed many mighty miracles. He had hope and a faith. He had a reason. But what he did do when he was asked about his hope, he denied it. John 18, we see Peter denied Jesus three times. He was asked of his hope. What is your hope? He was asked of his hope. And he denied it three times. So Peter here is speaking from experience. And he doesn't want us to make the same mistake. Just as Peter's hope was in Christ, so is ours. We have a hope in his death, burial, and resurrection. We have a hope that there are sins, there's forgiveness of sins in repentance. We have a hope that those sins in our past life will be washed away in his blood and the baptism in Jesus' name. We have a hope that we are new creatures in Christ and we walk in newness of life when we are baptized in his Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. We have a hope that, we will care, that he will carry us through in this lifetime and supply all of our needs. And we have a hope that we will enter into eternity and spend it with him. We cannot simply rely on feelings. We must experience true relationship with God. True believers do not walk by feeling or, or sight. We walk by faith. This hope must be in us. It must be a part of us. It must be ingrained in us. Who we are, how we act, the actions we take, we, this hope must be a part of what defines us. It's got to be our identity. We must have a confidence in God and what he has done for us. Wisdom is learning from Peter's mistake. So share your reason. Although our walk and relationship with God is a personal thing, we must be ready to share it. Our testimony is our reason. Jesus says that he will help us share our reason. Mark 13, 11 says, But when you are arrested and stand trial, do not worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. God will speak through you if he is on the throne of your heart and you are sharing the reason for the hope in him. Jesus will help us with, help us to share it with gentleness and meekness and fear and respect, right? Fear is respect, gentleness is meekness. Or meekness is gentleness. So what's your reason today? Has God given you a reason are you letting him give you a reason? Are you waiting for God to give you a reason? Are you giving him the opportunity? Or are you hindering him from giving you a testimony? 
If you do not have a reason, it is holding you back. Eternity is at stake. Questions may hinder you, but the next step is to obey what he is saying and what you've been taught to do. God may not reveal those answers to those questions until you do those things, until you step out of your comfort zone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. God wants to give you a reason for hope. Put God on the throne of your hearts today. Share your testimony with others. Be bold in sharing what God has done for you. We can't simply rely on other people's reasons. We must have our own reason. We can't rely on the ones who go before you. So get your reason today. Let God give you a reason. Step out of the way and let God move in your life. Please don't leave here without a reason. So as Bishop comes, I ask you to ask God to search your heart and to reveal that reason today. Thank you all. Amen. Praise God. Awesome job. Awesome job. Thank you, sir. And students, you may be dismissed. God bless you. Appreciate our student pastor, the work that they do. I think they're starting a new series tonight. Is that what I saw? Amen. Awesome. Fruit of the Spirit. Love it. Amen. Well, I got 40 minutes to teach about an hour and a half long sermon. I'm going to do my best. Okay? I'm going to talk real, real fast. Um, Hope you can stay caught up. I'm going to turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you would join me there. You don't have to stand. Um, We typically do sometimes for honoring the word, but uh, we'll go ahead and be seated. They got the Holy Ghost setting down the first time, so I guess we can... You know, right? The Bible says it filled the house where they were sitting. I'm not making that up. It's really in the Bible. So anyway, okay. First Corinthians 12. I'm just going to read one verse, verse 27. I'm going to actually read it out of the New Living Translation. So depending on what you're using right now, it's going to sound maybe slightly different. Ready? First Corinthians 12, 27. Here we go. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. And so my title tonight is Safe Connections, You Belong. Safe Connections, You Belong. You belong to a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. You belong to a mission that desires everyone to connect with God Grow in faith, serve others, and lead by example. You belong to a safe place of refuge where you can bring your habits, hang-ups, and your hurts free of judgment, shame, guilt, and discover God's hope and healing. You belong to the church, and the church belongs to you. You need the church and the church needs you. No one is an island, and God never expected His church to be alone. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. In fact, it is biblically impossible 
to be the church all by yourself. Instead, in and through Jesus Christ, as Ephesians 3.2.21 says, we are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So yes, each of our individual bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit, as those of us who are filled with His Spirit, but we're just a room of that total temple. So, look around the room, get a good look, everybody here. Go ahead, I'm giving you permission to look around. <laughs> okay? And I want you to think about this, and at least say it in your mind with me. I need you, and you need me. So, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And again, I'm going to read most of these from the New Living Translation tonight. Um, I, uh, I like that translation for explaining some of these concepts that are sometimes hard to understand in the King's English of the King James Version. I still like it, love it, use it, um, but I want to read this from the New Living tonight just to expedite some of the time. So my first point I want to make tonight is you belong to a spirit-filled family. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we are all baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. What this means is everybody from the first person who got the Holy Ghost in the upper room, and for sake of argument, let's just assume it was Mary, the mother of Jesus, okay? Let's just, we can just agree on that for just a moment, okay? There, wow, we've, we are unified. Mary was the first one talking tongues. Great, that's great. I'm glad you all agree with me. Amen. So from Mary... Till now, and until the last person gets the Holy Ghost, all of us are the body of Christ. Spanning the time, spanning cultures and, and spanning centuries and all of that, we're all the body of Christ. So if right now somebody in the Congo, in Africa, is receiving the Holy Spirit, it's going to be this way. It's going to be the same way we have received it. Okay. So I thank God for the supernatural new birth experience. Some cry, others laugh. Some speak in tongues when they're baptized, uh, or before they're baptized rather, and some come up out of the water speaking in tongues. But regardless of how you experienced it, or how old you were when you were born again, you belong to a spirit-filled family that extends around the world and has existed since that upper room in Jerusalem in 29 AD. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The Spirit-filled family you belong to is also an eternal family. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.15, the whole family in heaven and in earth is named in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we belong to a spirit-filled family. That's why we say brother or sister, brother Chris, sister Nancy, etc. and so forth. We say that because we're a spiritual family and an eternal one. Sadly, sometimes our earthly biological families abandon, neglect, or reject us, but our spiritual family is both now and forever 
and will never abandon, neglect, or reject us. Last week, my wife started this series by showing you some of the scientific connections to our brain and our, uh, you know, the, the brain stem and, and the polyvagal theory and all of that uh, to express some of this. <clears throat> One thing I just want to share briefly on that, I'll let her remain that part of it in what she does, but something that I've read, and I've mentioned to you, I'm reading this same book, you, you have a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere of your brains. We all have that. Um, the right is that creative side, it's, it's the side that feels, it's the side that processes the emotion. The left is, is the analytical, it, it, it then uh, looks for reasons or whatever, right? Well, if something happens to me, um, and, it, and, it, and say in my childhood, my left side is going to try to figure out what's going on. It's going to try to, did, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Did, did, was I supposed to do it to my dad? Um, am, am, am I being punished because of that? And if I don't get an answer for that, I'm going to create a reason. That's where strongholds are developed in the mind. Well, the same thing happens with God sometimes, okay? And, and here's the problem. Because of what we went through, and my wife talked about this with the attachment um, wounding, I think you called it, uh, that goes on. Sometimes if we had a negative experience with our dads, that affects how we see God, our father. If we have a negative experience with our moms, it affects how we see the church, our mother, and what can happen is we can say, well, I'm not being blessed, so apparently I must be bad. It's your brain trying to figure it out. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. It, it doesn't mean don't let that process happen. What it means is make sure you take that process to God and process it biblically and accordingly to where you can grow. And that's why we're a safe place. That's why we're a spirit-filled place, because when the Holy Spirit comes in, it can help you to process those emotions. It can help you to process those things and trust God. So number two, you ready? You belong to a diverse family. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 a lot tonight, so you can just keep your Bibles open there. You can just follow along. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? So in this spirit-filled family, there are young and old, male and and female, rich and poor, and all sorts of beautiful ethnicities. Some were born again young, others in their older years. But the mosaic of the church reveals a beautiful canvas for the world to see God's hope, mercy, and love. When I read of stories such as one that took place in the South where a former Ku Klux Klan member and a former uh, Black Panther member are now born again and brothers in Christ and can love one another and, and unify together. When I read of stories like that and I see what is happening in a diverse culture, it gives me joy. When I read Galatians 3.28, that it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for all one in 
Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. This beautiful, diverse family that we're a part of is, is spectacular. It's, it's wonderful. Colossians 3.11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. You need the church, and the church needs you. Without you, the church is incomplete. Regardless of the role that you play in the church, you are vital to the success of the whole. If I gave you a puzzle that advertised a thousand pieces on the outside, but there was only 999, you might be able to tell me what the picture is. You might be able to put it together and, and, and formulate exactly what it is without that missing piece, but it would be incomplete. Hands without its fingers are incomplete. And when you're not here or engaged in the hope and healing process, you're missed. And the body is incomplete without you. Before the days of electricity, the old church on the countryside would ask its members to bring their lanterns for their weekly evening prayer services. Each family would hang their lantern on a hook above their row of pews. And when all of the families were in attendance, the church was very well lit. But when the family was absent, their row was dark. Often the pastor would see them later that week in town and would say something like this, we missed you and we missed your light at church. You know, if God wanted just one of us to be the light to the entire Omaha Metro, I'm sure he could do that. He's God. If, if he can put coins in fish's mouths and, and bring down walls with a shout. And, you know, God can do anything. I, I get that. But I don't think that's what God wanted. I think God wanted all of us, the whole church, to take the whole gospel to the whole world. There are people that you can reach that I can't. I don't work with your coworkers. I don't live by your neighbors and vice versa. I was born in the church. I've been drunk in the Holy Ghost, but I've never been drunk on alcohol. I don't know what that feels like, but some of you do. And what a testimony that is to share with somebody who has experienced that. I've experienced abandonment and neglect and abuse from a father, and so I can help somebody like that, but some of you haven't. Some of you have got great relationships with your dad. You look forward to Father's Day. Me, I'm like, it's another day. But I can help somebody that may feel that way. Does that make sense? And so we need you and you need me because together, if, if in that case you're the hand and, and I'm the elbow, we're working together. And that's why we need one another. We're stronger when we're together than when we are alone. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight. Mathematically, you would think two could put two thousand, but no, it's two can put ten thousand. It doesn't just add, it multiplies. Two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not too quickly broken. God delivered you from, you fill in the blank. Therefore, you can help people that are in that same, again, you fill in the blank. Whatever that is, you have a unique, besides the Holy Ghost, besides your, your own experience with God, you then have the experience of what that was like to be able to help them through that. And that's why you belong to a church that needs you and you need the church. You belong and we need your uniqueness in the church. 
I saw something today where a friend of mine posted about his wife and something she had done in their home, and he said, she's quirky, but she's my kind of quirky. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to use that. Shannon, you're quirky, but you're my kind of quirky, babe. Well, let, let, me, let me bring it to the church. The church is quirky sometimes, but it's my kind of quirky. Okay? I like my church. In fact, I love my church with all its quirkiness. I won't, I won't tell which one of you it was, but one of you, I remember one time you told me you're the worst saint. I'm like, man, I wish I had more worst saints just like you. Oh. I told one, one of you one time, you, you were talking about your, your struggle with believing something. And I, I said, I would much rather have you be honest and, and be like the person that says, I believe Jesus, but help my unbelief. I'd rather have a hundred people like that than, than one person that tries to hide it. I love the quirkiness of our church. I love the diversity of our church. Man, if we were all the same, that'd be boring. Lord have mercy. Alicia, I even like you with your cowboys. I mean, you know. And I just said that in the pulpit too. Lord help me. Wow. You know, my goodness. <laughs> but the, we need each other. All right, number three. You belong to a family that needs you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So, you belong to a spirit-filled, diverse family that needs you. Everybody with me? You need the church, and the church needs you. Now, at the risk of sounding arrogant or belligerent, if I ever hear of any one of you telling someone else, I don't need you, I will lovingly follow complete biblical protocol to reprove and correct you. I will rebuke you with all long-suffering, and speak to the truth to you in love, in hope that you will repent of saying such, something so hateful. We should never say to someone else, I don't need you. TCOO is open to the hurting, to the hopeless, to the helpless, to the addict, to the tired, to the rich, to the poor, to the lost, to the wayward, to the confused, to the whosoever will, to the single, to the married, to the divorced, to the one that don't know what they are, we're open. And like you've heard me say before, someone comes in and they claim to be a certain way and I, I identify as this or that, great. You know what? I'll let you win that argument because you must be born again. I was born this way. Good for you. You must be born again. And I'll say it in love. Amen? Because I know what Jesus did for me. And had it not been for Him, I wouldn't be here. So we're open to all. I want to go back to verse 18 for just a minute. It says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Can I tell you, you're here because God wants you here? Your part of the body is because God wants you to be that part of the body? 
Can you imagine if I tried tonight to preach this message without my mouth? I mean, I know there's sign language, but, but I'm not talking about that even. I'm saying, imagine if I tried to use my elbow to preach to you tonight. Is anybody getting anything out of the message? That would be quirky. Right? So watch. If my elbow is mad because it's not the mouth, and it stops functioning, and all of a sudden my arm locks up, and it gets mad because I'm not the mouth. Well, God put you where you're needed. He didn't want you to be the mouth. He wanted you to be the elbow. Does that make sense? Right? Well, we're in this together. This is God's church, so I'm going to let God put us where He wants us. I'm going to let God use us where He wants to use us. Let's go to Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3 real quick here. Acts 13, 1 through 3, and again, I'm going to read New Living. Be in the New Living a lot tonight. And next week too, just you know, plan ahead if you want to bring one. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. That's, by the way, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Real quickly, I just want to run through these five men. Barnabas was a Levite from Cyprus. His name means son of rest or son of encouragement. Simeon is from Africa, and his name means hearkening. Lucius is a Greek from Cyrene. His name means light. Manaean is a Jew and a political Jew at that. He's probably an Edomite, uh, which was a branch of the Jews that came through um, um, one of the lines there that branched off. His name means comforter. And then Saul and Paul, of course, was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin and a Pharisee, and his name means desired. You have five people, at least four different ethnicities represented here. And by the way, Saul is mentioned last. And if you notice verse 1, they're all prophets and teachers. He's not even an apostle yet. And mentioned last, he's the least. Barnabas, mentioned first, is most likely the, the leader or, or, or the primary officer at this point. And they're all praying together and they're all working together. And while they're praying, the Holy Ghost says, uh, separate out Paul and Barnabas. i got to work for them to do. You know what you don't see here? You don't see the other three guys saying, oh man, when you call me, I want to go. Instead, you see them saying, oh, praise God, let's do some more praying and fasting. And after a couple more days, they laid hands on them and said, go, brothers, we're with you in Jesus' name. We're going to stay here in Antioch until God changes our command, but you go, man, we're with you. That's unity. That's purpose. That's belonging to a family that needs you. If someone gets the Holy Ghost tonight in, in the student class, we all score, we all win. I mean, you really think I'm going to be like, oh, man, they didn't get the Holy Ghost while I was the one preaching. Who cares? They got the Holy Ghost. They got baptized. Yeah. Praise God. 
Hey, if you call me and say on a Monday afternoon that somebody at your job is speaking in tongues, you think I'm going to say, hey, can you stop them until Wednesday and bring them? You're nuts, man. I'm going to say, well, get off the phone and go join them. Go talk in tongues with them. Go find a deep body of water and baptize them. We win. The whole body wins. Amen. Listen, some of you are called to be worshipers. And I know all of us are, but I want to point something out about a general service here. Some of you, in your worship, you help bring that atmosphere. Now, all of us, we worship the Lord in the spirit of you know, beauty of holiness, and I get all that. But some of us are also called even deeper to be intercessors, and that's good. Not all of us are. Some of us are called to be altar workers, and not all of us are. So whatever you're called to do, be that. You're vital where you're needed. Number four, you belong to a family that cares. Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. Excuse me. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together. Notice God again is the one doing this. Such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. Hmm. Sounds like a good concept. Verse 26, if one part suffers the whole, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Wow, that's awesome. So you belong to a spirit-filled, diverse family that needs you and cares for you. You need the church. The church needs you. I was praying about these verses specifically to ask the Lord in what direction this may go. And I believe the Lord gave me two things. First of all, I think part of what this can mean with the, those parts that you clothe and different things could be this. Sometimes when a new member comes in or a, or, a, or a guest, and maybe they've not been born again yet, but they're coming and they like our church and they, they, like, they feel out of place sometimes and it's, it's new to them, it's brand new. So I think we show that extra care to them. Letting them know, hey, I want to get to know you better on a personal level. I don't just want to look at you like a number. Check, he's here tonight. She's here, check. But you're, I want you to become my friend. And I, want to, and I, I forget who it was, maybe Pastor Lucas or somebody said, I want to have coffee with you. Maybe it was Shannon last week. I want to get to know you better. I want to, I want to uh, uh, you know, connect with you and, and, and see what, you know, what we have in common, right? I think that's a part of what this means. And, and, and let me say this to you here tonight, and of course, anyone listening. We do want to connect with you. We do want to serve you. Uh, and, and we were also there at one point where we were feeling awkward. We were the new person. And so we understand that. Uh, and if we come across a little bit too strong, I would much rather be known for being, you know, over the top, shaking your hand and loving you than, than to be not. Uh, and so, you know, I'll, I'll keep people back a little bit. But understand, it's because we want to connect. It's because we want you to know you're in a safe place. Promise you not we're going to spam you with a whole bunch of emails and texts. We just want to know you. We want to get to, to know you. But that's why we have groups. That's why we have fellowship, uh, different things that can provide, and small groups that, that, that meet. And some are biblical-based, and some are just fellowship-based. Some are coffee-based. Some are bowling-based. Because we just want to get to know you better. We want to be a place where you can connect and feel safe in a family that cares. As I prayed more, of course, the other part of this is, is what the Scripture is saying there. If you're hurting, we hurt with you. And if you're rejoicing, we rejoice with you. 
Hey, if you get a new car, I'm not going to be jealous of it. Woohoo! You got a new one. Great. If you get a raise, high five. Praise God. I'm not going to be jealous. Right? We're going to celebrate with one another. Here's something else we have to realize. It's a good thing that all of us are at different seasons. Some of us are in a good season right now. Everything is woohoo, right? And so those that feel that way, maybe you can just look around and say, you know what, my brother's not feeling quite that way. It doesn't mean you can't celebrate. It just means, hey, I'm going to help you, brother. And equally, brother, if you're that one that's in that season, it doesn't mean you can't rejoice with them. Does that make sense? God has us together for a reason, for a purpose. We are united, not untied. Same letters. Just move the I and the T. Hmm. You're not alone. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And guess what? Neither will His church. Amen. Number five, you belong to a safe apostolic family. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together. I'm going to read that again. Just make sure we got it. All of you together. There's no alone there. No isolation there. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages or tongues. And then he says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown tongues? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And I'm going to stop there in verse 31 because we're going to pick up in the rest of that next week. So let me say this. You belong to a spirit-filled, diverse family that needs you, cares for you, and is a safe apostolic family. You need the church, and the church needs you. So why did I call this a safe apostolic family? Is that a denomination? Nope. I call it apostolic because first are apostles. First there means chiefly. Apostles are the chief governing office of the church. It doesn't mean they are the vicar of Christ. Okay? Some, some groups take it that far. It means we're apostolic. We're of the apostles. Okay? So that's what I mean by safe apostolic family. By the way, we're also Pentecostal, and that's not a denomination either. That's an experience because of the day of Pentecost. We're also holiness because Jesus said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So you could say we're apostolic Pentecostal holiness, APH. Or, or if you want to go HAP, we're HAP. Hap, hap, happy. You know, I mean, I suppose if you need an alphabet soup like CIA or FBI, there you go. But, <laughs> but the point is, apostolic is how God governs his church. So let's take a look at that. Apostles, 
They do just that. They're the thumb. I'm, I'm going to use my hand for just a minute. The apostles are the thumb. They, they are what? Govern the church. Prophets are the pointy finger they guide. And he doesn't mention evangelists um, and pastors in 1 Corinthians there. It doesn't mean he left them out. But we know in the local assembly we need those offices especially. And so evangelists, according to Ephesians 4.11, and is where you also see the complete fivefold, they gather. They're the longest finger. The pastor, the ring finger, guards the teacher's ground. And all five of them together constitute the hand of God. The Bible says submit yourself or humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Just as you are submitted to me as your pastor, I have a pastor. I can say to you like the centurion, I'm in authority and under authority. And, and I, I pray my pastor never dies, but if that day comes, I'll have another man who will serve in that role who will be my covering. Okay? All right. Then he says, those who do miracles. This is, he's talking about the giftings that are in the church. That's the gift of miracles. And, and we read and you heard, he said, do all of you have this? Of course not. It's rhetorical questions. Not all of you are apostles. Not all of you do the miracles. Not all of you do these things. He mentioned the gifts of healing. He mentioned, uh, uh, I'm going to skip one for just a minute. He mentioned the gifts of leadership, and he mentioned the gift of tongues interpretation. I want to just hit on that for just a minute. We all receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, and we should do that as much as we can every day, daily. The Bible says pray in the Spirit, build yourself in your most holy faith. But specifically what he's referring to here is the gift of, of speaking in other tongues and an interpreter. So God speaks something to the church in, in tongues. It could be a known or unknown language, heavenly language, and then an interpreter gives what that interpretation is. That's what he's referring to there, uh, not the speaking in tongues as the initial sign of receiving the Holy Spirit. But the one I skipped and I want to go back to is, uh, it's number six if you're numbering them, but it's, it's those who help others. King James just says helps. And I love that. Jackie, right in the middle of apostles and prophets and miracles and helps. You want to talk about some apostles, that's pretty well defined. Those who do miracles, that's very defined. Helps, that is broad. You know what helps are? I'll tell you what helps are. Two people come in tonight and notice that glitter was all over the sand. I don't know how it happened. But glitter was all over the pews in the sanctuary. And a couple people got some vacuums out and started cleaning it. That's helps. You know what they didn't do? They didn't come knock on my door. Hey, pastor, there's glitter on there. Thanks. You mind vacuuming it up? I mean, they didn't come and tell me. They just started doing it. They took initiative. That's helps. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and I mentioned something about, you know, we're going to have to expand the, 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 the pickup because we've got a bunch of people this direction and a bunch of people that direction. And he said, I can help. That helps. Sister Nancy, those people signing up for, for the fasting that we're going to be doing, that helps. Helps is broad. Helps is, hey, can I help greet and open the door for guests coming in? That helps. And so right in the midst of these well-defined offices is those who help others. And I love that because while the others, again, are very defined, and we can spend a lot of time talking about that, I, I want to just let you know that we can all do something. 
And if you're not called to any one of those things and you're not using the gifts and tongues interpretation and you're not an apostle or a prophet or this or that, you don't have the gift of leadership, you can help. You can run a vacuum. <laughs> you can join the security team. I mean, there, I promise you, there's something you can do. Trevor's not just up here every week going, if you'd like to serve, see. That's not just to fill time. It's the fact that there's something anybody and everybody can do. I want you to get it this way. This is not my church, as in Myron Powell. Funny story, when we moved here 13 years ago, a little boy came up to me and he says, are we going to change the name of the church? And I said, no. Why would we do that? He says, well, it's TCOO right now. And I said, exactly. Why would we change it? He goes, well, it's Tony's Church of Omaha. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're not changing it to PCOO. I can promise you that. It's not going to be Powell's Church of Omaha. <laughs> he was honest. He, he thought the T stood for Tony because the former pastor. And I'm like, no, no, no. T is the, <laughs> the Church of Omaha. It's not my church. This is our church. We're in this together. I'm thankful for God's apostolic order. But at the end of the day, if I hold all of those offices, I'm not going to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, superintendent, bishop. You know what I'm going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. We can all do that. So thank God for his apostolic order in the body of Christ, which helps to expand, to equip, to, to help the body of Christ. And we are ambassadors, but we need each other. Real quickly, I want you to, to think of this with me. I've got about four minutes. I'm going to hurry. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 14. Everybody got that? Watch. Submission is 1 Corinthians 11. Starts with the... Husband, wife, and, and what we call sometimes people say the, the hair concept uh, and all of that. You get that in scripture. You got submission. It goes into uh, Christ being our sacrifice. Uh, communion. We just did that Sunday. Submission. He submitted to the authority and the will of the Father. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 is all the gifts. There's nine of them. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31 is what we've read tonight. That's the unity in the body. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 14 is all about order. Let all things be done decently and in. Which one of those do we not need to be a complete church? Just like we need the fivefold, not, not some of it, not parts of it, not 80% or 60%, but all of it, we also need every one of those. We need submission. We need the gifts. Amen. We need unity. We need love. And we need order. And, and all of them working together. A certain parishioner who had previously been attending services regularly suddenly stopped coming to church. After a couple of weeks, the minister decided to visit the absent member. And it was a rather chilly evening, and the minister found the man at home alone sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for his pastor's visit, the man welcomed him and led him to a big chair by the fireplace and waited. The minister made himself comfortable but said nothing. In grave silence, he looked at the flames as they danced around the logs in the fireplace. After 
a few minutes, the minister, again not saying anything, stood up, grabbed a pair of tongs, carefully picked a brightly ember, burning ember, placed it to one side of the hearth, then sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this with quiet fascination. Obviously, the lone ember, the flame began to diminish. It went from a red glow to gray, and eventually the fire was no more. It was cold. It was dead. Not a word has been spoken, by the way, since the initial welcome, Pastor. At this, the minister rose to leave, stood up, and said, I'm leaving. And the host said, Thank you so much, Pastor, for your visit, and especially for your fiery sermon. I'll be in church on Sunday. The point to that story is in that fire, that ember could be hot and blazing, but outside of the fire, it's cold and dead. And so, if you feel cold or dying, I invite you to return to the warmth of God's church. If you're watching online tonight, you haven't been here for a while, come on home. I invite you to the warmth of God's church. I appreciate that we have a live stream, and I think, I'm thankful that it can be used when we're sick, and, and I've watched it when I've been sick or gone or whatever, and I appreciate it for that. But, you know, I've also got an app on my TV that shows a fireplace, and I don't get a bit of warmth out of it. And I've watched some services that I've felt some good things, but it's a lot different when I'm here and I hear this brother shout hallelujah and that sister say amen and this. If you're here tonight and you wonder if you matter, I hope that I've made that abundantly clear in this message. You do. You belong to a spirit-filled, diverse family that needs you, cares for you, and is a safe apostolic family. You need the church, and the church needs you. Let's stand together. Next Wednesday, Lord willing, I'm going to pick up at 1 Corinthians 12, 31, especially the second part of that. And my title for next week is Safe Connections We Become. Sneak preview, if you understand that you belong, then we become. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the church, all of its quirks, all of its ups and downs. I thank you, Lord, that you give us grace and mercy to learn, to grow, to become more like you. And I pray that we would do a better job each and every time and do nothing but get better at loving others as you have loved us. That was the commandment you gave, Jesus, that we love one another, as you have loved us. So help us to do that. Help us to see the revival that you want us to see. Help us to plant and water, and that you might give the increase. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You belong. God bless you.